In EMS, we deal with a variety of types of calls. You will see sick adults, GI bleeds, heart attacks, head-on-head -head collisions, people thrown from vehicles, decapitations, suicides, cardiac arrests, burn patients, deceased children, and the list goes on and on and on. Just like any other human being on the planet, we create ways to deal with this tragedy and the darkness and the stress. For some in the EMS community, it's medication, legal or not legal. For some, it's therapy. For some, it's exercise. For some, it's shutting down. For some, it's laughter. But for most, it's some kind of combination of those. Today, we're going to dive headfirst into the darkness and discuss one of these stress management techniques, laughter. You'll see so many EMS professionals laughing and about the most incredibly inappropriate things. Don't get me wrong, there's other people out there dealing with their stress in the same way. We're, it's not unique to just EMS or to first responders in general, but it's the thing that stands out. So with me today to share my laughter is one of my favorite guests and hopefully a uh, reoccurring one and probably a permanent member of EM Talk. It's uh, Dylan Dugan. Dylan, how are you doing today? Hey there, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Judd. Awesome, awesome. Well, glad to have you. Dylan and I have... Uh, been working together here and there. We taught, been teaching some skills sessions uh, in, in different locations, and we're getting to know each other a little bit more, and we've come to realize that we are both equally ignorant um, and ridiculous, which usually ignorance and ridiculousness combined come out to play a big, uh, pretty big part in humor. Um, so uh, we're going to start these episodes off a little different from now on, and we're going to start with some kind of current event that's relative to EMS, to uh, first responders, firefighters, law enforcement, all of that good stuff. And so uh, this is this new thing that we're adding, and today's story is a pretty interesting one, and I'm hoping that most people will have already heard it by now. But if not, uh, prepare yourselves for this meth-fueled ride of a story. Um, <laughs> A Minnesota man threw a meth-fueled death party for his wife, who then died. Uh, his name is Dwayne Arden Johnson. He was 58, and he was arrested for criminal neglect after calling 911 to report the death of his 69-year-old wife, Deborah Lynn Johnson. Uh, this is from the Twin Cities Pioneer Press report. Dwayne told police he medicated his wife with methamphetamine because she didn't want to die in a nursing home, according to local paper The Free Press. Deborah was found in the couple's southern Minnesota home where death parte god hell was reportedly painted on the door and several guns and hundreds of rounds of ammunition were found inside. Duane allegedly answered the door naked, confirmed police had the right house, then returned to his bathtub where he said he was trying to remove some sort of undetectable things from his skin. Sounds fair. The free press reported that Deborah had been in a nursing home, but Duane checked her out and took her home. The husband said he and his wife spent their final hours together having sex and listening to metal band Quiet Riot's 1983 album, Metal Health. Oh boy. Another report called the death suspicious and said the country's drug task force, the county's drug task force, participated in the arrest. A uh, little overkill, probably. Dwayne was arrested and bail was set at $250,000. So something tells me Dwayne's not getting that bail money. Um, and there's probably not anybody coming to his rescue. Uh, he, he medicated his wife to the point where she's definitely not showing up. Um, so, Dylan, what do you think about this one? Am I understanding this right, that it's just them two? 
Yeah, they yeah. Threw the, a, the, the, they threw a party for the two of them. Exactly. Resulting in one of their death. And that was the plan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing's planned out. This, this guy has this idea that he's going to feed his wife meth at her request until she dies. Which, now, I mean, crazy. Did, did he ever consider uh, what ha- might happen after the fact? His, his wife, you know, if she was into meth and that's their thing, she did not get near as bad a deal as he did on this thing. No. <laughs> I mean, no. No, he's, I mean, I would imagine if you throw a death party and write, what was it? Um, death, death party, party God, God hell. hell. Yeah, if you write that on your door and then also answer the door naked for the cops that returns promptly to your bubble bath... Um, your biggest concern is probably not the consequence of your action. Yeah, I guess not. Um, this was the the ultimate party, I guess, and the rest of his life will probably be in large regret of having a death party for his wife, so... Well, because eventually he's going to sober up and be like, oh, man, I am in jail forever. (laughs) Um, and and we laugh, and this is, we're actually proving our our point right now, uh, and what we'll jump into in a second, but... I want to kind of break this down. Um, one, surely EMS was called to the scene of this. No doubt. Um, oh, yeah. So you've got to imagine you and I sitting in, a, in an ambulance down the street, you know, waiting to be cleared for the scene. So, you know, see, BSI, scene safety for all you <laughs> National Registry nerds out there. Um, and we're waiting over there to be called to clear for the scene. And we could probably see the door at this point. And lo and behold, some... A very odd gentleman, which if you look at the picture, look this story up, you will agree. He answers the door naked, um, tells him, hey, she's back there, and then goes back to his bathtub. So what are you thinking when you first see that guy answer the door? Um, thank the Lord for law enforcement, firstly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact that we don't have to be yeah. the ones to answer that door. Yeah, uh, I, I picked the right profession, obviously. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> Secondly, what would, whatever I don't know what dispatch would have given us. Um, did it come in as a code as somebody that? I mean, how did when he called the police? Did he report that the lady was dead? So are we going in actively thinking we're about to work a code? And our first impression of the scene is a naked man. I, I don't know because he it says that he called nine one one. So uh, what I'm wondering is was what they got dispatched as. Yeah, what I know. What was the dispatch like, to what that do you, one? What did he say to them? Hey, uh, my wife and I have been partying real hard and she's dead? Yeah. Or, um, hey, I've got stuff on my skin and I can't get it off. Yeah, did, um, he, did he even call for her? Did he call for him? It does say that he reported the death of his wife. Oh, okay. Okay, so, so he reported the death, which means we were probably dispatched for a code. Right, okay. Um, so we're thinking, code, you know, those are those are serious. You have your game face on. Um, nothing will interrupt a game face quicker to the normal person than a naked man. But I would argue an EMS, that just puts the game face on a little deeper, maybe. Yeah, par for the course, yeah. really. I mean, <laughs> not that strange, really. So um, we've so here, this would be a Delta call. So we'd have, or an surely, Echo. No, it would be an Echo. echo. Yeah. yeah, so we've got law enforcement. We've got fire department. We've probably got a field medic on the way. We've got maybe a supervisor as well as a normal EMS crew. So we've got a whole Gucci gang full of people. Oh yeah, coming in hot. um, Coming in hot to to greet this naked man and figure out about this death (coughs) party. Um, So I see that written on the door and I'm kind of concerned to go in the house at that point. 
Um, I'm not a superstitious person, but I, I consider myself a, a religious man. And that would uh, ring to me, you know, I watched The Conjuring and I would be pretty <laughs> concerned at what could happen at that point. Right. So we do, we do get on scene and we are, I'm sure, escorted to our patient. I'm sure there's other men with guns drawn and um, <laughs> en route to our patient through the house. As it would state, we're noticing large machine guns and hundreds of rounds of ammunition. So, I forgot um, about that part. <laughs> yeah. So we've got death, some some kind of death sentence to God, hell, written on the door. Guns and rounds of ammunition. And this is all on the way to the patient. So um, this is going to have to be something we just take in stride, basically, because we still have a job to do. There's, Absolutely. There's still... Um, somebody that was pronounced deceased, and it's our job to then work. So um, this is just a pretty good example of, of the kind of mind we're going to have to have in, in EMS and, and kind of game pace we're going to have to have. What do you think? For sure. I mean, we walk in on stuff, I mean, not specifically like this. This is pretty uh, wild, yeah. Yeah, this is pretty pretty random, I would say. And I, and I was trying to figure out what uh, parde means. It's Latin, I'm pretty sure, for like parade or party. Um, and oh, so yeah. death, right. party, God, hell, basically, yeah. is, is what it would mean. And, you know, we are presented with, with situations that I guess would be put in the realm of, of similar, uh, quote, unquote, to this. I mean, I've, I've worked codes, uh, you know, out in a dirt, like a dirt field out of a tractor, um, codes on the side of the road where people had rolled out of cars, I mean, oh, yeah. all, all sorts of places. But I will say that most of the time I was not really concerned about my well-being. And in this situation, I mean, you see the guy's picture, I don't think I'd be concerned about my well-being because <laughs> I'm pretty sure, you know, these guns can handle his guns. But um, uh, it's still, I mean, it's a dangerous situation. You've got an obviously unstable man who has helped to uh, medically um, murder murder yeah that's, <laughs> for that's, lack of a better yeah, that's word better, basically right word. what happened yeah he medically murdered his wife um, at her request to be fair at her request but they, they surely didn't have that entire story as they walk in this scene and then they've got to walk away from it sure uh, I would imagine CPR was not performed uh, nope. in this situation and so they've got to walk away from this. And process this. You know, it's easy for you and me to sit here and laugh about it and process it and and move on. But uh, as the people that see it, it works a little different. Definitely. And so that's kind of what we're here to talk about today is how in the EMS profession as a whole, this is what we do. We take a very, very serious and really, I mean, if you break it down, sad situation and we laugh at it. Because we don't know how to, uh, maybe appropriately isn't the right word, but how to respond in a healthy way. Um, and I don't think humor or laughter is a bad thing. I don't think it's the wrong way to respond. I just think it's not always the way that makes us move on from it. It's just the way that we stuff it down inside so we don't have to deal with it. Right. Well, I mean, you've got to do something. Like you said, it's not something the normal person's going to see every day and even in EMS you're not going to see every day and coping mechanisms um, are vital and humor is a huge a huge part of it and to be clear we're not we're not necessarily laughing 
at these people's situation as much as the fact that we were introduced to this situation and, um, you know, what, what do you do? You know, it's, it's not laughing in a disrespectful sense, but you've got to acknowledge what we, you just saw somehow. You know, you have to acknowledge it. And to acknowledge it and, you know, feel bad about it can be pretty detrimental, especially if you get a couple of those calls in a day. And if you're dwelling on the ones, you know, prior to that, and then you get another one, and then you get another one, well, then you've just dwelled yourself into probably a terrible mood, possibly, you know, a sort of semi-depressant state, especially if you've had multiple days or weeks of it. So, you know, you're going to have to choose something that can keep it it light. Um, Well, acknowledge it respectfully, but it you got to cope with it yeah yeah and, uh, it's more for it's more for us than it is to make fun of or disrespect somebody else's situation exactly it's it's not something that we do to be disrespectful it's not something that we do to make light of a terrible thing it's it's terrible for whoever it happens to it's terrible for their family um and, and to be honest it's terrible for us and it's like uh every day you see a story about some you know, first responder committing suicide, law enforcement, firefighter, paramedic, EMT, whatever it may be, nurse, I mean, just from the things that they see. And the reason is, is because we, uh, we laugh it off and then we, we stuff the feelings down inside because we aren't taught how to appropriately deal with these. You know, we go to orientation at whatever job we work in the first responder field. Everybody has one, law enforcement, fire, EMS, and basically that orientation is used to teach you company policy mm-hmm. and you know hey there's help available if you're suffering but here's zero tips on how to deal with with your pain right um and that's why you end up with like people abusing medications and stealing narcotics and committing suicide mm-hmm. i mean to the to the highest extreme and uh there's a I mean, one of the, if you're not in this profession, one of the common phrases you'll hear going into it and, you know, probably throughout your whole career is it's their emergency, not yours. And think about that for just a second. Um, As an outsider looking in, it would seem, it would seem like the thing to do is treat it like an emergency. But if you're in an emergent situation and you're the one who it's affecting, um, most of the time you're not acting thoughtfully, uh, you're in a tizzy and it's hard to get anything done. So they, I mean, they'll literally tell you it's their emergency, not yours. So don't take it on as your, they're implying don't take it on as your emergency. So step, take a step back out of it, make of it whatever you have to, whether it's giggle at it or stuff it down for the moment and perform your job as in, as if it's not your emergency, it's just your job to do. And just just having to hear that alone ought to, <laughs> ought to tell say, you... He's going to realize if he said that out loud, <laughs> he'd be like, oh God, that sounds awful. Well, but, it, but, but it's, it's true. true. It's, it's, it it's 100% true. true. If, if you are in an emergent situation, then your brain's probably not thinking straight and you're not calm, which two things that has to happen. Somebody's got to have that. Somebody's got to have be calm and have a brain that's thinking straight in an emergent situation. Well, and the right? person in order to get anything done, to do that are is you us and me <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that's if you're being taught that, you can just imagine, you know, in this 
and you know, in our uh, in our situation here, it's their emergency. It's not ours. Um, well, damn, cut. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, I know. I just, it? I don't know. I was just, I, what, you know what it was is I got, um, I got stuck on the fact that I was going back to that when we were trying to move on from it. It's okay. Because I can cut it out if we talk about it too much. Yeah. I don't want to, but I will. I think you should just keep all this in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, resume. So just just the fact that they teach us that tells you everything you need to know about what we're potentially going to to be up against. Yeah, and and I would definitely uh, agree with that. Um, we uh, let me first tell you about something that I learned from a previous um, life, or I guess not previous life, but a previous profession. I used to be a uh, a pastor out there in the world. I was a youth and family minister for a while, and um, I, that's actually what my background is in. Is in I have a bachelor's in religious studies, so uh, I basically have a bachelor's in reading and writing for the advanced person. Um, that's basically it. But we did learn some pretty interesting things, and one one of the ideas that always stuck with me was this concept of the dark night of the soul. And it's, uh, one, it stuck with me because I immediately thought of Dark Knight as in Batman. Um, and so I've got this very educated doctorate-level <laughs> guy telling me this, this information about the Dark Knight of the Soul, and I'm, I'm sitting there drawing pictures of Batman on my book. Um, but the part of it that really sticks with me is that it's this concept that we are all going to encounter this moment where we don't know who we are anymore. We don't under we don't know reality anymore, basically, um, and it and it could be very brief, very temporary, and it's the point where you don't understand what the point is anymore. And so I'll tell you, um, I think EMS has those days. I think we have multiple days like that, where it's just the worst day you could possibly experience in the field, and that becomes your dark night of the soul of EMS, I guess. And, and I remember mine. Like, I know what the dark night of my soul was. I remember the, the very specific shift that I would consider that. Um, and it was the one that I all, I mean, I go back to it. Every time I try to figure out if this, if EMS has affected me, I think back to this one, one shift and I'm like, yup, for sure. Really? Um, yeah, so yeah that, definitely. That's interesting to me because I guess I would not argue, but I would state that I haven't necessarily had that shift. And this is, I'm always fascinated by this because some people, you know, they develop PTSD from this job or they worry about developing PTSD from this PTSD, from this career. <laughs> CMS, PMS, <laughs> yeah, VSI. Yeah, yeah, VSI, scene safe. <laughs> um, I, I, I think personally I fall into you know, a realm of people, whether it be for the better or worse, that it does not, I have yet to come across anything that truly affects or bothers me. And I know it's because of, or I'm pretty sure it's because of a mindset that I take, but before I give you mine, I'm curious, if somebody asks you, how does it, does it affect you and how, or how do you keep it from affecting you, what, what do you say to that? So, I think the, uh, the 
Well, the right answer for me, I was going to say the right answer to that. Like, I know the answer right. to that. Um, <laughs> I think there, if it does not affect you in some way, then you can't do it. And that isn't to say that you can't do it, mm-hmm. because I think it does affect you. I think that maybe it just, maybe it. you're not seeing the effect. Sure. Um, because I think if you, if you took time to write down, like, who was I before I started EMS? What was I like? And then you wrote down, what do I, how do I think now? How is my, how do I differ? Or maybe not even differ. Like, ask yourself a question that you would ask yourself before you started EMS that would have a pretty general answer and see what your answer is now and see if those two answers might be different. I know that sounds odd, but... Um, well, when you say effect, do you mean, does, does it have to be a negative effect? No, or no, it be no, 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 no. Okay, it, it could be okay. positive, well, yeah. Then for the sake of the conversation... I haven't identified it a way it's negative affected me, negatively affected me up to this point. But I often get asked, how does it not? And if I were to ask you that question, do you have an answer for it? So my answer for that would be probably similar to yours. It's more about the attitude that you have when you go into it. Um, If you have your mind set that you're not going to let this turn you, I mean, it's almost like a like being bit by a werewolf or something. If you're not going to let this turn you from the EMS bite, from the tragedy bite, um, then you won't be turned. I mean, you uh, have control over what you feel and what you do. And that is such a simplified statement. And for those of you thinking, you jerk, that's not true. Um, I mean, I hate to tell you, but it is. Your response to anything is all about you. And that's why I say like, this does affect you, no matter what, whether it's positive, negative. I would argue that there's some negative impact uh, in any job out there. There's going to be some kind of negative impact. Even being a pastor, there was negative impacts from that, uh, you know, just right. from watching people try really hard and fail, including myself, um, to, to be whatever it is we think we need to be. And um, I think that happens in, in the first responder community. I mean, you see all these good and bad things and it's going to affect you and and I think you're the reason you see a positive change rather than a negative change is because you came into this field thinking okay I've known some of these people and they all seem like they're real dark and have a real hard time with all of this and I'm going to go into this and be a different person I'm going to go into this and that's not going to be who I turn into and you you are the type of person that if anybody knows Dylan if he sets his mind to it, that's what he's going to do. And I think your your sheer willpower has kept you out of the dark for the most part. Right. That, honestly, that's, that's probably something you pick on as an outsider or pick up on as an outsider looking in because I don't. I don't know that I even picked up on that. but uh, <laughs> So basically everything I just said just made up. <laughs> just made up. No, everyone. no, not... Not necessarily, because it's probably a lot of that I don't even under or notice. But my answer to that question, which I get pretty frequently, the first thing anyone wants to ask somebody that rides an ambulance or first responds is, "What's the worst thing you see, and how do you handle it?" And um, for me, like Judd said, it is a mindset. One that I'm not going to let it affect me negatively. But two, you can say that to your blue in the face, and if you're not actively you know, if you're not proactive in your thoughts during the thing and after the thing, and it's, you know, just making a, a one statement doesn't really have any effect on anything. So 
I go into it as with the attitude of gratefulness. Like if somebody's going to be in the worst day of their life and their life's falling apart and uh, I, I want to be the one there to do my best to do whatever I can for them. And I think it's a privilege um, to have the skills we have and be trained in the way we have and be there for somebody in that moment. And if you're truly doing everything you can and you truly are caring about the person you're taking care of, which I do, then more than anything, I, I'm grateful that I was there. If it didn't go how we wanted it to go, I'm still grateful I was there to give my all because you know what? It could have been somebody that was there not to give their all. And and then th- that could have made it harder on the family. The family could have witnessed them not caring about their mom, you know, that just had a emer- medical emergency. So I just, I take on the... I take on the outlook that I'm going to do my job well, and I'm glad it was me because I care, and I show that I care. And, you know, even with, even with the bad outcomes, I still am. And I don't know, maybe I need to search that answer a little further, but I always tend to just be glad I was the one that was there, and, and maybe I do need to look into it more. But walking away from the call, I'm always grateful that I got to run the call, whether it was terrible or great. I'm just glad I got to do it. And a lot of it might be, it. I know it also prepares me for the next one. So everyone that goes bad or goes wrong, um, if you're thinking about it right, it's just preparing you for the next one, which there's going to inevitably be. Right. Um, yeah. There's, there's always another call. And, you know, each call is different, but there are similarities between a lot of the calls that we get. And uh, what I hear you saying, I know you don't hear it, but what I hear you saying is is just confirming what I just said, that it's out of it, you know you're you're calling it gratefulness, and and I'm I'm saying that the gratefulness is how you're, uh, it's like the work you're doing to keep yourself positive. The it's part of that attitude of staying positive is you're seeing the bright side of it. Right. And but I mean I'm just at this point trying to make myself right uh, because I like <laughs> to be right. But I, I like that. That's a great answer. One that I would argue we would not get often from uh, just from my experience with other providers out there. There right. are those that are like that that have that outlook that right. thank thank God that I was the one that was here because I actually care and I know the guy over at Post Six doesn't care. Right. And so it's a good thing I was here. Well, um, for for you. So for everyone out there, Judson's an amazing paramedic. So <laughs> he really is. He's very good at his job. No, no, he is. He's a phenomenal paramedic. When you get done with those bad calls like that, um, I don't imagine you're in the mindset of, oh, somebody else should have had this call. <laughs> Are you? I mean, no, exactly, no, because you're, you take pride in your job and you do it well. So um, maybe, you know, I can't speak for other people, but if somebody wasn't, they didn't educate themselves to the point they needed to or was unsure of their skills, I'm sure that would probably affect them greater. Yeah, and I would say that 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 adds to the stress of the job. If you're not confident in your ability, then you're not going to to be positive. You're not going to come out positive because every time something goes wrong, you're going to say, that was my fault. It's absolutely my fault. Yeah, and then you've got to deal with that burden. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing you were saying is it's not your emergency. I didn't cause this. And that's, if, if you were to ask me, you know, how do you deal with, with that feeling, like that negative feeling of, you know, this is crazy, I can't believe this is happening, that's probably my answer is, is I didn't cause this. Right. I'm just the one that's here 
and now I need to do my job and try to help this person or these people. Yeah, you didn't cause it, but you're there to do your best to help. Exactly. Which is a noble thing and something to be proud of regardless of the outcome. Yeah, and and I think that's something that, that everyone out there needs to hear is like you could have chosen something else. There are jobs you could go out and get right now and make more money for way less education. And I'm not saying that EMS is like the epitome of <laughs> higher education because it's not. And and maybe some of that should change. There's obviously out in the EMS community now, especially the education community, you, we're hearing talks of requiring bachelor degrees and associates degrees in order to do this job. And and I don't I don't want to argue that right now. Maybe we can have another episode where we argue about that. But um I would say that the reason is, is because people are scared. People are scared to go out there and do their job because we have all these providers who that's what they did. They went out there, they did their job, and then the failures or what they perceive as failures have gotten inside of their head and messed with them so bad that they end up in therapy, on medications, killing themselves. I mean, that's what we're seeing out in in the first responder community because People don't have a way to cope, and we're not there for each other. We call it a family, but I would argue that I have had many, many more, more, sorry, there's, that's not the right way to say it. I would argue that I have more people outside of the EMS community that try to understand how I feel about this than I do people that are inside of the EMS community. You know, that's a great point. I mean, and it's, it's the truth, I feel like, at least. Well, and you know what? I think... Uh, just to dive a little deeper into that, I almost think that laughter might even be our way as two people are sitting next to each other to gloss over what just happened rather than say, dad gum, how do you feel about that one? Or, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we, it's true. It's, it's, it's almost, so it is a way to cope, but it's a barrier. It it's is a, a barrier. That we yeah, I mean, we laugh about it. And it's our defense mechanism. While we're laughing, we're not talking to one another saying, you know, are you good after that one? I think I think the laughing, the, the wall we build is, is the defense. So if we thought about this like any sport out there, there's a defense and there's an offense. And the defense that we have is that laughter. It's that wall that we build to try to keep ourselves safe. And that's great. I think that's a good thing. I think we need to keep laughing. We need to keep having a sense of humor about some of this. But then there's also a time to play offense. And that offense is us actually talking about sure. what's really happening. You know, I, I mentioned earlier the dark night of, my, of the soul for my EMS career. And it was a 24-hour shift where I had two pediatric cardiac arrests. Oh, and, man. And it was like, you know, I, to myself... There, there was failure in both, and and I've already dealt with the fact that that had nothing to do with me. In, in both situations, it was just, I mean, it was what it was, and I won't go into details simply to protect everyone, but um, it, it ended up the way it ended up, and, and it was terrible, but um, I look back on that, and it could be real easy to take that and laugh it off and be like, oh, man, glad that's not mine, or whatever, and, and move on, and... Uh, you just, I look into my kid's eyes and I can't. I can't laugh that one off. There yeah, was no way for me to laugh that one off. you're not a psychopath. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's what I'm getting at is like, if you truly, if your only thing, the only thing you do is build that barrier and laugh it off and never get to the part where you're playing offense, 
that's how we get depression. That's how we get suicide. That's how we get these very unstable EMS providers and first responders is because we don't know how to play offense. All we know is defense because that's all we're taught. And I think uh, people need to realize that we're all on the same page. Like, we feel you. It sucks. There's some bad things out there. And you're hearing Dylan tell you exactly you know, an appropriate way to deal with that. And that's to, to look for the positive things, to, to be grateful that, that you got to help somebody, that you got to try to help somebody. And it's, you know, Dylan says it like, that's like the easiest thing to do. And it's, it's way harder than that. I feel like even for me, and I, I'm kind of, I'm built pretty similar to, to Dylan, at least I think so. For sure. Um, but I, uh, I have a hard time with that sometimes too. Also, so, well, also, it, to be fair and to be completely transparent, there is somewhat of a caveat to that, being that the only service I've ever worked for is an ALS service, okay. and uh, whereas um, there's an EMT basic, which is myself, and someone who's ultimately responsible for the patient being a paramedic. Okay. So that, um, I'm not some superhero and ultimate... <laughs> Emotionless aficionado, or whatever you no, want to call it. I don't see it as a, as emotionless or and, uh, uh, emotionally aware aficionado, whatever you want to call it. They're an emotionally you, sensitive man. <laughs> <laughs> You've, I've, I, I'm realistic with that, and I do take that into effect. That um, there is a, a hair of less pressure on a on an EMT in the situation when they have someone that's a paramedic that ultimately is responsible for what happens. Well, legally, yes. Legally, if you and me are on a truck together, I'm ultimately responsible for that patient. But I want to tell you that uh, I have counted on my EMTs anytime I've had one with me multiple times to make sure that I don't kill my patient. Sure. Um, the, the EMTs that I have been, had the pleasure of working with have always been the reason the patient had a good outcome. Yeah, my brain's good at, at solving puzzles, and, and I'll, I'll give myself that one. But really, I rely on my partner. You know, higher cert, lower cert, doesn't matter to me. That partner and I are in this together. And uh, if, if anybody, you know, Dylan and I actually have worked a shift together, one shift, which one wasn't enough shift. to get to no. know each other uh, <laughs> until after the fact. But, um, you know, I've had other partners that you could ask them, like, I put it in their hands as well. Not because I want the pressure to be off of me, but because I want the patient to get the best outcome possible. And that best outcome comes from two intelligent people who have very similar training, you know, working through the process together. And yeah, you know, when it comes down to it legally, it's on my shoulders, but I really never think of it that way. Because if I did, I would protect myself. I'd only play defense when it comes to their care. Right. I would try to make sure that there was no way that someone could come back and say that this was my fault. Right. Instead of thinking about how am I going to take care of this patient. Which, that's a fair point, and that's one that I can't think about being that I'm, I mean, I can think about it, but I can't. <laughs> it's hard to relate it's to It's hard it, to relate to it, yeah. yeah, for sure, because, you know, the different, I'm just not, I'm not there yet, well, which I will okay. be soon, but I'm not there yet. So, um, that's interesting. Do you, do you have an answer to the question if I were to ask you what are the positive things that you have, uh, have come from working as a paramedic all these years? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
my ability, and this is a very surface level one, my ability to think critically has improved dramatically. 100%. Um, I used to, you could sit me down, try to solve a problem, and it might take me days to solve. Now you sit me down with a problem, and I'll have a solution. It may not be the perfect solution, but I'll have one for you fast because that's what you get used to doing. It's like, okay, it's, it's imperfect action. It's never perfect action. It's this is what my, my brain tells me to do. Um, I think this is right. Let's go with it. Because right. you don't have the time to sit there and be, oh, here's the corner pieces and here's the edge pieces. Right. And uh, this color is perfect for this other color. Right. It's just uh, you've basically got a bunch of puzzle pieces from different puzzles that you're trying to make fit together. Right. <laughs> and, and that's what you have to work with. And so that's, that's a surface level positive. A, a much deeper positive would be um, a sense of, uh, of relief. I would say a sense of relief. The world does not ride on my shoulders. The outcome of life does not ride on my shoulders. Now, my actions and my thoughts and, and my responses to, to life itself, that's on me. That, that's all on me. But the things that happen around me, the, the, the bad things out there, the good things out there, that's not me. I, I don't have control over that. My only role in this life is to try to create positivity where there is none. Whatever life has going, whatever somebody else's life has going, I think it's my responsibility as a human being to try to improve that situation. And uh, I think, I mean, that's kind of similar to, you know, it, it was your gift to be there at that scene to try to help this person. Sure. That's kind of my version of that. So you, I mean, that was your positive. Give me another one. one. What do you got? Um, I think one of the biggest things that I'm proud of, proud to have acquired from this job is, it's very similar to yours, a decision-making, but... Um, so yours was problem solving. Mine is just being in the mindset where I can problem solve in very intense and stressful situations. I, I like the idea that if something happens around me, I'm confident in my mind to be able to block out the uh, distractions and the hecticness of the situation and work, which is huge, you know. We practice that all the time. If you have a massive, massive car wreck and there's multiple patients or there's one really bad patient, um, it looks like such chaos because it is chaos for some people. But for those of us that do it all the time, it's a calm chaos in your head where you're like, all right, the traffic's coming from this direction. Uh, we have our ambulance and the fire truck parked where they're blocking us from most of it. Um, this personnel is doing this. That means I need to be doing this. The, the ability to be able to think like that when everything is seemingly going wrong is something that I would definitely pride myself in. Definitely, that, yeah. That, that is huge. I mean, it's huge for everyday life because you never know when you're going to be on the other side of that. And it is going to be your car accident or your child or just anything, you know. Yeah, and I mean, like, being able to function in chaos is what I would say uh, life success. Yeah. Um, life is essentially just a bunch of chaos at different uh, varying levels of severity. 
and we're supposed to like swim our way through it. You know, you've got great white sharks and you've got tiger sharks and you've also got those little sand sharks that I still wouldn't want to get bit by, but they're sand sharks, so I'm not really super concerned. Sure. That's life. It's yeah. just swimming through well, that. Well, you can, you can take it and apply it to not just medical emergencies. You know, if you've got a huge interview that you've got to go through that's, uh, it feels chaotic. And when you're, when you're there in the room and you've got a ginormous interview, you know, your heart's going to be pounding and you're going to want to probably think the worst, or I, I am, but the being able to block all that out and just focus on the task at hand, you can apply it to everything. And I think that that's just another thing to be grateful for working in, in EMS, which if you're looking at the positive outlooks from every situation, including those bad ones, then you're probably coping in a semi, uh, semi-positive way. Well, and I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to is, you know, our version of, of teaching you how to cope with, with negativity, with death, with tragedy is talking. I mean, we're, we're teaching it to you right now. Dylan and I are sitting here talking about how we deal with these things. And I would say that, uh, you know, we could be more specific. We could sit here and talk about calls that didn't go the way that we had hoped they would go. Sure. We could, uh, we could discuss real serious stuff, and that, that is key. Um, it's not, you know, this isn't a therapy session, uh, no. <laughs> so I, I don't expect for us to sit here and do that over, over a podcast, although that might be interesting for everyone else. <laughs> Maybe. Don't be surprised if it happens at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, now that that's an idea out there. But, um, you know, this is the starting point. You want to learn how to cope uh, with these kinds of things? Stop thinking that you're the only person out there. You know, we live in a very big world, and your problem is not as unique as you would love for it to be. Absolutely not. And I've been that person before where I'm, oh, it's just me. Woe is me. I'm the only person with this problem. There's no way anybody else has ever felt this way. And teenagers are like the worst offenders of acting like that. And I get it. I mean, we've all been there. But um, everybody, or every problem, I won't say everybody, every problem out there um, exists with somebody else too. Your, your issues are not unique. You are not alone. And you're never going to be alone no matter how alone you feel. So, um, well, so I mean, well, go ahead. So our original point... Uh, being laughter and making light of things, let your one of your takeaways be from this that it is valuable to a certain extent. Don't yeah. let it don't let it be the only thing. Recognize that it can also be a masking mechanism. You know, it's helpful in a lot of situations, but it can also be detrimental to your ability to communicate if all you can do is laugh about a situation and not get on a human level about it with somebody else. Because one, if you're just laughing all the time about these stressful situations, then nobody's going to come to you. I mean, you're not going to be available. No, nobody's going to see you nope. as the serious one that they can, that talk, they can to. talk to. So be aware, you know, that that's, it's not the right thing to do all the time. It's, it's crucial in some instances, but talk to people, you know, don't, don't just laugh everything off. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really like, Something I've noticed about the sense of humor you gain in EMS, or gain, I guess, is maybe not a good word, um, but it does happen. It's definitely not a benefit. 
you also have to go out into the world and be around other people that don't understand that sense of humor. And I have been the person at the table that we're eating dinner with other people and somebody mentions somebody dying and I go, (laughs) (laughs) and it's not an appropriate reaction in regular person life. Okay. Um, And you don't intend it to be uh, insulting. You don't intend for it to be uh, harmful or hateful or, or saddening, whatever it may be, but that's how other people take it. And for those of you out there listening that aren't in EMS, we don't mean anything by that. We don't mean to make light of tragedy. We don't really think dead things are hilarious. We don't, well, I mean, sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> See, there it is right yeah. there. We don't, uh, we don't necessarily um, think all these terrible wounds and injuries and uh, homeless people and all of that is just a big old joke, Okay. It's just what we do to defend ourselves. It's what we do to defend ourselves. And it's very hard to understand because I say this all the time that our job is crazy. If you break it down, and I tell it to you like this, your job is to be, and this is, this is specific to me, but your job is to be a 24-year-old male working with a 20-year-old woman in a vehicle, and we're going to call you when disaster strikes. And you're going to drive there as fast as you can and try to make everything better. All right. (laughs) Well, and what could also possibly be happening is you're on the side of an interstate, and there's people yelling at you, telling you to do something, and there's babies crying and screaming. Uh, There's no other job in the world other than, and I would argue, not even being in, in a hospital because that's so much more controlled. There's no other job in the world where you just get thrown into somebody's house with all kinds of stuff going on, and it's your responsibility to do everything you can. So uh, it's madness, one. Like, it's yeah. crazy to think that that's what we do for, for a living. You know, we, we don't go to job. We never, you never know what it's going to be. We don't go to work um, with, with, an with, with an agenda. Yeah, yeah. and there's no... Uh, nobody's well, to be saying fair, I do go to work with an agenda. Well, now. Judd does, but occasionally he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, and true. there's not a boss telling you, "All right, I need these papers pushed, and I need this signed." Like it's it is nothing like that. You are literally waiting in anticipation, as very young human beings, to go handle something and handle something that's extremely chaotic. So, you know, for better or worse, we develop this this sense of humor, this mindset. Because we're exposed to it differently than everybody else. Yeah, everybody else either sees it as, you know, a family member or a friend or on TV even. Right. And they think they understand how it would feel or how to react to it. And really until you've had your hands on a deceased person trying to bring them back from the dead... You don't understand that feeling. No, and and it's it. If you think about it, it's very it's easier for us to make light of it because a lot of these things are lighter than you think. You know, if somebody's telling a story about their friend or significant other, you know, this is morbid, but they were stabbed uh, four times in the leg. You know, we might be like, eh, we can we can handle that. You know, yeah. So there's just this way crazy perspective that is so different. Like you said, anytime or most of the time when the public is put in these situations, it is chaotic because it's them or it's their family member or somebody they're close to. Um, it's just hard for them to understand where 
It's not that. It's always their emergency. It's all exactly. It's it pretty much ninety nine percent of the time. It's their emergency. It's almost like you're the crew, like the filming crew, and they're the actors. So they're out there. This is their scene. They're in, they're in the scene. They're acting it out, and we're there to direct the scene. You know, we're not a part of the scene, but we're there to direct it and right. take control of it. And uh, that's like a pretty terrible reference. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that's, but that's not totally true. <laughs> it's it's exact. Okay, that is an exact reference and exactly yeah, how it works. Couldn't be more clear than that. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's it's a hard thing to describe if you if you aren't out there and and doing it. And for those those of you that do it, you probably got that reference better than anybody else. Right. But um, you know, like Dylan said, it's not your emergency. It's theirs. It's called an emergency. But it isn't your emergency. You're 100%. just there to eliminate the emergency. That's it. Yeah, 100%. And speaking of hilarious uh, medical situations, that it's not a medical situation, but the news where in the news recently there was a young, was it a young man that saved a woman's life from watching The Office, the CPR <laughs> instructional video? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a young man who watched a CPR instructional video that was on the show The Office. And if you don't watch The Office, then quite frankly, turn off the podcast. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> you're probably not funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was a – one. I have questions about this first off. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I wonder what all – was it the 100 beats per minute? Is that what he got out of that episode that he knew to perform 100 beats per minute? Because they didn't do any kind of breathing. Uh, they didn't really go over calling for ALS. They they very, very vaguely well, went that's, over. Well, that's because it was the Red Cross teaching it and not the AHA. Um, <laughs> and it's an inferior concept. It's actually the exact same. It's just called Red Cross. No, all they, all they really do is show that lady doing compressions yeah. for like 10 seconds yeah. and then Kevin gives Kevin up. Gives Michael, up. Calls it Michael on gets scene. stuck on the song. Yeah. Um, Kelly dances and Dwight cuts the face off of the mannequin. <laughs> um, While harvesting organs. Yeah, like... I'm curious. How what? do you see that? And they'd be like, yeah, I know how to do CPR. Yeah. Uh, I've got somewhat uh, skeptical, skeptical eyes going on this one. Maybe it was 100 beats per minute. Was he ever introduced to anything more than that about CPR? Surely. I don't there, know, there had but to be something surely, else in there. Surely. I'd love to give the office credit, seeing as how it's my favorite show. Ever. But Just had a... I can't imagine. How old were you, 30? I turned 30. And That's terrible. And my, my uh, birthday party was, was office-themed. It's I'm a big fan. Um, my wife was nice enough to throw me an office-themed birthday party, and she hates that show. She does? Um, that's, well, that's why we're not friends. We're just married. Um, oh, because man. she doesn't like the show. Her uh, and I are going to have to have a strong talk about this I mean, at if some you point. need to beat up my wife, I mean, you know, you're bigger than me. I can't do it. You can. I probably will get in trouble. You probably get away with it. You have better hair than me. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we've got people out there that, uh, that are going through this stuff. And to bring it back... We want you to know that there are ways to deal with it. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to put up a wall. It's okay to bury it inside for a little bit, but it can't stay that way. Absolutely it's not, not It's not maintainable. There's no longevity in that. You can't live your life with all these 
emotions and what whatever darkness shoved down into your soul. So I would first encourage you to talk about it. Find somebody and talk about it. That's that's the ultimate um, treatment. That's the first step in treatment. It's your first line of, of offense, really. Uh, people will say defense often, but I'll say first line of offense is to bring it up and talk to somebody about it. And real, and real quick, I just want to get this point in because it's very relevant to what you're saying. As a newcomer to EMS, just because everybody laughs about it does not mean it's the right thing to do because <laughs> while... It, it's, it is right to talk about things. I'm going to go ahead and say that most people that have been doing this a while, it doesn't seem like they get there. It se- they seem to be fairly jaded. And, and it's probably because when they came into it, everybody was just laughing about everything. So they just picked up on the fact that, oh, we just need to laugh about everything. Don't just see that people are making light of everything and take that and, and run with it completely. Just because they're doing it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do all the time. So yeah, um, if you're new to EMS or you're not even in it yet, you're just learning how to do it, uh, then, you know, it's kind of like the same thing your parents told you when you were going through school. Like just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. Um, We know it's wrong. We know that's not the right way to deal with it. We're we're 100% aware. But we started doing it because somebody else is doing it and you want to fit in and be a part of the club. And it does work. Sure, it, it it shoves those feelings off and you just move right along and, and everything's good until it's not. Right. So, uh, you know, talk to each other. Find somebody that, that cares about you and make them a part of your, your journey there. And uh, I would also encourage you, you know, if, if you've passed that point where you just don't feel like talking is helping, um, go see a professional. Go see a therapist. Go to a psychologist. Um, seek help. Don't let it get to the point where you become one of these stories on the news that we all have to be sad about. Um, you know, nobody starts that way. Nobody just has one bad call and says, okay, now I'm going to commit suicide. It's, it's a buildup. It's a buildup of emotions. It's a buildup of life. You know, out, even beyond just the things that we see in EMS, you've still got regular life to deal with. You've got Um, your own deaths to deal with. You've got family. You've got financial issues. You've got health, exhaustion. You've got all these factors that come into it, and you're supposed to know how to manage these things. And so um, don't be afraid to tell somebody that you need some help. Don't get to that point where you can't even, you know, come back from it. There's, There's always a way back. There's always a way back. Someone can guide you back. And I'm not saying that, that that someone is Dylan or myself, but if you call this, we'd try. I guarantee sure. it, we'd try. 100%. We just, we want everyone out there to be aware that, uh, you know, we know that we laugh at inappropriate things. Dylan and I are fully aware <laughs> that uh, the things that we laugh at and tell jokes about are probably not okay. Probably <laughs> and, not, no. and everyone else that hears them is also aware of that. But this is for your benefit that you know that we're not crazy. <laughs> um, and that most, most, and I say that with uh, extreme emphasis, most uh, first responders out there are also not crazy just because they laugh. They're just... Right. They're throwing up the wall, and they're trying to take care of themselves. And another another thing to be uh, cognizant of is in EMS, you're typically working either 12-hour shifts or 24-hour shifts. And a lot of people absolutely love to just pick up shift after shift after shift and do this back to back to back to back to back, 
where the only thing they're seeing every single day of their life are these tragedies and emergencies. Um, I fully encourage you to have a full, healthy life outside of just EMS. If you make EMS your life, you're basically making tragedy and possibly death your life day in and day out. So it is huge to have things going on outside of it, have friends, have family, exercise, eat well, um, enjoy your life that you're living without tragedy and don't make everyone else's tra tragedy your life. It's going to get dark and it's going to get dark quick. And we'll, you know, a good word for that is burnout. A lot of people get burned out and then, you know, they have to work, they have to, they have to do a job and they're skilled, they're trained to do this job. So they get burned out and they keep doing this job and it's just a cycle. So have, don't make it your life. Make it a point to, to, study and learn as much as you can about it, make it your career, but you've got to have a great, healthy life. Don't just live your life through everyone's tragedy. That's a dark place to be. I, I would absolutely agree with that. And uh, it still goes back to something we've said a few times here. You know, it's not your emergency. Right. It's not your tragedy. And it may feel that way for the time being, but it's not your tragedy. At the end of the day, this is a job. And it's a noble job, and don't get me wrong, you know, you should take it seriously, you should be compassionate, caring, loving, whatever it takes to do this job, but it is a job, and life will go on, and it should go on. So um, don't get stuck in the dark, uh, don't, don't let the lights go out on you, um, and you know, if, if you care at all about your patients, you'll take care of yourself as well. Your health is vital to their health. Um, and your outcome is, is important to theirs. You know, if Dylan truly believes, you know, he's grateful to be the one that responds, what happens that day that Dylan lets this get to him to the point where he can't be the one that responds anymore? And somebody needed him. Somebody needed his help, but he wasn't there because he never dealt with it. So uh, don't let that be you. So Dylan, um, I've been... Super happy to have you on the podcast again. Uh, like of course, I said, likewise. D Dylan and I have been spending more time together, kind of getting to know each other in this in this field and in this profession, and uh, we're hoping to do more of these podcasts together. Uh, if you're not a regular listener, make sure you go on to the podcast, subscribe, give us five stars. More for my ego, more than <laughs> anything else. Like, if you're listening, I want to know because it makes me feel good. If I share this on Facebook, you share it too. That way I go home thinking I'm a superstar. <laughs> and write reviews too also. So if you listen to quite a few podcasts and you come to ours and you're like, wow, they don't do this very well and other podcasts do. <laughs> no, don't write that. <laughs> no, for sure say something. For sure be like, hey, guys, y'all are uh, rambling fools. Quit your job. Just kidding. But give us any kind of feedback, positive or negative. We want it all. Absolutely. So, um, you know, uh, knowledge is vital in EMS. It's life and death. See you next time on EM Talk. Thanks. <laughs>